Last week we spent some time talking about ungodly words that so so often we find people not taking the time or being careful or thinking about those things that they are going to say, nor how they are going to say them in such a way that the most good can be accomplished. And so sometimes we often find ourselves without spending the time thinking about those things, saying things that are hurtful and not helpful. Tonight we want to talk about another class of words, a different class of words, class of words uh, that will build up one another, that will build us up individually, and that will build the church up. And, and think about words that are healing words, words that are healing words, things that we can say that will help people to overcome grief, things that will help people to overcome uh, problems in their life, things that will give people strength to live that daily life. So uh, when in, the, in the book, it wouldn't surprise you, of course, that in the book of Proverbs, we find um, the book talking about many things dealing with our relations one with another. So obviously, we're going to find some admonition from the book of Proverbs concerning healing words and words that build up. Um, it, you know, it, it would seem sometimes that if we were kind of like computers were, uh, that had that had, have, have a default setting so that whenever you turn them off or turn them back on, they always go back to that setting. As humans sometimes, our default setting sometimes would be to use words that slander, condemn, gossip, hold in contempt and criticize. And that's a very sad thing. To think that, that, that if we don't take the time to think about what we're going to say and how we're going to say it, Oftentimes, the things that we do choose to say are not helpful, but they are very hurtful. So let's take a look at a few examples we have, not only from the Old Testament book of Proverbs, but also some examples we have in the New Testament. And I think as we think about healing words and as we think about words that build up, we have to think about Jesus. We have to think about uh, the, his being on the earth and the time that he spent here that 30-something years he spent with his disciples and with his family and, and the, the, t- the type of speech he used, the type of words he used in dealing with people. And we, of course, would find that he used words that were comforting words. He used words that were healing words. He used words that helped people. <clears throat> what amazes me sometimes is to think about how much we each and everyone enjoy Hearing someone saying something kind to us or giving us an encouraging word. And we, we, we look towards to that. And we, we think about that. And when we hear that, it makes us feel good inside. And yet, even knowing that, it's also thinking about how few times we individually use those same type words to help other people or to encourage other peoples. And we should think more about that. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, if you were to turn over to Acts chapter 4, early in the church, uh, after the church, uh, the first gospel sermon is preached, the church is introduced in Acts chapter 2. Well, in, in chapter 4, beginning with, uh, I think, I want to, it says verse 36, I believe, but I wanted to start back a little earlier than that. Um, let's, let's start back with verse 31 of Acts chapter 4. 
And, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were one heart and of one soul. Neither did anyone say that, that any of their things he possessed were his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the, uh, I'm sorry, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of land or houses sold them and brought them the proceeds of the things that were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as everyone had need. And Joseph, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite, of the county of Cyprus, having land sold it and bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, it was only just a couple of chapters before chapter 4 that the first gospel sermon is preached, and people are introduced to Christianity, and thousands of people were, were converted to Christ. Undoubtedly, Barnabas was one of those people. But in that short period of time between chapters 2 and chapters 4, and I don't even know how long that was, Barnabas became known as, as an encourager, as an encourager. And you wonder sometimes, you know, and, I, and, and you stop and think about early Christians and them receiving the gospel and being away from home and all that kind of thing, how that, that, that probably was a, a great, that was needed a great deal. To, to, to have someone who would offer those words of encouragement, who offered those healing words and words to build up. And Barnum's was, was that person. And so I think that's, that's something that we should strive for in our life. Everyone loves to receive words of encouragement, but they sometimes are not given as often as they should be. Imagine what, what our world would be like if uh, for a period of time, even a, period, a short period of time, say a, a period of one week, when everyone, everyone that we knew or everyone you came in contact with do nothing but use encouraging words. What a different place this would make this world, Right? To have everyone you meet will be talking about being thankful and wanting to be helpful and reaching out and being kind and saying good things to people. But you know, in order for us to in order for us to do that, it's gonna it's gonna take a change of a mind, right? It's gonna take a mindset change. We're gonna have to get away from sometimes thinking about uh, you know of not thinking about the things that we want to say and start focusing on the things that we do need to say. So from the book of Proverbs, we're going to look at a couple of rules tonight. Uh, a couple of the rules have to do with uh, healing, healing speech. Oh, all, all the rules have to do with speech, but some of the rules actually have to do with silence. When we should not speak, when we should hold back, and when we should be careful. So there's, uh, there's a posture of mind that's, uh, that seeks to gain approval by trumpeting the wrongs or perceived wrongs of others. So Looking at Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 12. Uh, in chapter 10, verse 12, we read, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Uh, one of the things I think that all of us realize, that, that there are times when people say things that hurt us personally. And, and how, do, how are we going to react to that? 
If our reaction is to retaliate and to say something back to that person is hurtful or harmful, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna be very helpful. We should think about the fact that sometimes when someone does say something hateful or harmful or to us, that maybe it's something we should just you know not pay attention to or not allow that to hurt our feelings and and not take it personally. Lurid or questionable defaults, uh, de- de- details about another's life. We, we need to be careful about telling all that we know about people. In, in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer, on the other hand, reveals secrets, but he is of a faithful spirit, conceals a matter. <clears throat> As we think about those things that we, we tell, or those things that we say, or the way we say things to people, <clears throat> we should recognize the fact that maybe some things don't need to be said. You know, you stop and think about that. It, is what I'm fixing to say, is it going to uh, help the situation? Is it going to be uh, something that's needful to say? Or is it going to be something that's going to create problems? We should be very thankful about that. In, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, we read, He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Oftentimes in our life, we know things about people or we know things about events that happen in people's life, and, and it may be something that we should keep to ourselves and not share with anybody else. But to speak about that, the, the proverb writer says, he who who's, who, uh, who repeats a matter or is out to talk about those things, is what he's going to do is create problems and divide, divide friendships up a great deal. So sometimes having uh, knowledge of certain things needs to be kept to ourselves and not shared with other people. It, it, it's going to happen in our life. We're going to have to suffer some injustices. It's, it's going to happen. So uh, injustices, sometimes they do stir up anger in our lives. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, it says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. What is that saying? It's saying that when someone does something to us or does an injustice to us, it's it's perhaps better for us and that person if we would overlook that and not bring attention to that, not bring that up, not make a major point of that because it could just create farther division and make more troubles for us. So what are the lessons we should think about in, in thinking about these rules of silence? Uh, we should know the difference between uh, something that is a minor thing and it really needs to be kept quiet and, and then recognizing also that there are things that need to be talked about, but choosing the right time to talk about them, the right place to talk about them, and the right way to talk about them. Again, it's not only using the right words, but it's also thinking about the tone of your voice in delivering those words. Uh, we can, we can, I, can, I can only imagine, uh, you know, Jesus, when he went to correct people, and you stop and think about the way he talked to people, he didn't get it up in their face and shake his finger and say, you know you were doing wrong when you do this. But he would 
he used he used a different type of, of speech, a different style of speech. And, and we'll talk about that later on how this sometimes he would use parables to, to teach a lesson. And those parables were taught in such a way as to get the point across, but yet not make people feel too bad about perhaps what he's trying to say. You know, there, there is, there is a, a fact, the fact that we can stand for the truth without being contentious, without being obstinate, without, being, without fighting, and we can still stand for the truth. Another thing we should think about in that moment of silence is thinking about forgiveness. You know, we look at uh, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, the Hebrew writer would say, Their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Perhaps it's those injustices that are done to us uh, that we should put out of our memory and not bring back up anymore. That personal hurt that sometimes we suffer we should put behind us and say, you know, it, it, it wasn't something that made me feel good. It made me feel bad at the time. But at the same time, we should be big enough to say, you know what? I'm going to suffer that injustice. I'm going to suffer that personal hurt because I don't want to tear down friendships. Or I don't want to create strife or problems in the church. Another rule of silence, another rule of silence has to do with resisting the urge to give unnecessary information or details. Uh, the Hebrew writer would say in Hebrew, and I'm sorry, the, the writer of Proverbs would say in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11, a fool vents all his feelings, <clears throat> but a wise man holds them back. Uh, again, it, it's, it's having to do with thinking seriously about what you want to say and when you want to say it and where you want to say it and how you want to say it. And, and spending some time giving that some thoughts so that you can Deliver that message in a way that it will not be hurtful, but that it will be helpful. And that it will not tear people down, but that it will build people up. It, it appears that sometimes when people are, 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 are seeking the approval of others, that sometimes they often say things more than they possibly should. Say more things than they possibly should. Ends up being a, a curse instead of a blessing by, by doing that. So in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, the writer would say, I will be, the idea is that we should be slow to speak, slow to speak. So I I think we we heard, I've I've used this, I think, in class, we should engage the mind before we engage the mouth, right? Think about what we want to say, how how that's going to come across. How's that going to sound to the other person? How are they going to take that? And Unfortunately, you can't always know how that person is going to take it. You might mean it well, and you might present it well, and still the person might take it the wrong way, and it could still cause problems. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, it says, The multitude of words, uh, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Again, uh, sometimes we need to be very careful to think about what we are going to say, and how, how we're going to say that, and when we're going to say that. Someone said that we should speak uh, in bumper uh, sticker language. What? Bumper sticker language? You know how, how you read bumper stickers on cars, and they're generally very short and cute and concise and to the point? Maybe that's why we should start practicing the way we speak, being concise. Proverbs 16 
verse 23, the, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Um, again, thinking about how we're going to say it, how is it going to come across, and, and just saying that sometimes without spending a lot of time on it. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be, create a difference in some of the way we speak sometimes. We're, if we're going to make those kind of changes in our lives, we're going to have to think about how that how that's going to be done. Sometimes the best thing for us to do is to say nothing. Just be quiet. In Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 and 28, we read, "He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is not." It is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is, content, is counted wise when he holds his peace, and when he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. So sometimes we need to think about the fact that silence is golden. Maybe the fact is is saying nothing at all. Uh, or, or un unfortunately, sometimes we feel like we have to make a comment about everything. Something is said, we have to make a response. We have to say something. Do we really? Maybe if we do, we should take the time to think about what we're going to say, how that's going to come across before we say it. Or maybe think about it and think, you know what? That doesn't deserve a comment. Or, or, or maybe what I wanted to say or thought I was going to say would not come across the right way, so maybe I just should not say that particular thing. Listen carefully and perceptively. Uh, another rule of silence we should be careful of. Uh, be, becoming a good listener is, is not an easy thing to do. I, I, I use this example in the classes I teach at work. I, has to, I ask people, have you ever wondered why we have two ears and only one mouth? Well, I'm not sure I know the answer to that either, but I think it's because we should listen probably twice as much as we talk. Uh, but then I also go ahead and tell them I haven't learned that lesson yet, so I'm, I'm still going to talk. Uh, but learning to be a good listener is, is an art that we're going to have to acquire. Uh, sometimes we're so involved in thinking about what we're going to say or how we're going to respond or what I'm going to say next that we're not really hearing what the person has to say. And we should work on that. Listen carefully, become perceptive listeners so that when we respond, will respond in the right way. Also, that will give us an opportunity to think about what we're going to say and how we're going to say that and how that's going to be received. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, it reads, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Yeah, it seems that by being careful of what we say, by guarding our speech and choosing our words and thinking about how that's going to sound, we can save ourselves a lot of trouble. Um, you know, uh, sometimes we have this, this, this disease. It's called open mouth, insert foot, right? We, 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 just, we just have to respond too quick without thinking. And when we do that, sometimes we say things that are not helpful but are harmful that don't build up but that do tear down. We should be careful about that. So let's take a look at some rules of speech, okay? Those are kind of rules of silence. Let's think about some rules of speech. Uh, speak with kindness and blessing. I, again, we, we, we think 
we have to stop and think about the great, the greatest teacher who ever lived, and of course that was Jesus, and the way that he spoke to people. Uh, Jesus would go out of his would go out of his way to 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 speak to someone uh, along the way. You know, Jesus himself, in talking about his ministry upon earth, said, "He said, I came to seek and to save and to heal, to seek and to serve and to heal." So that's talking about his own ministry. Well, how did he go about doing that? Well, he, he did that by looking for opportunities to be kind to people, to be compassionate with people. Uh, he didn't hesitate not talking to people about the wrongs in their life. You think about the rich young ruler. Whenever he came to Jesus and said, Master, what, what do I still lack? And Jesus said, you know, the, that particular verse says that Jesus loved that young man. He loved that young man, and he had compassion with that young But he knew there was still something that young man lacked in his life. He said, go and sell all your goods and give them to the poor, and then come follow me. And he knew that was going to be something that was going to hold that guy back. But, but he said it in kindness. He said it with compassion. He said, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be one of my uh, disciples, this is holding you back. This is keeping you from doing it. Go. Take care of this problem, and then come follow me. Alfred Adler, who was a noted psychologist, found that lab animals learned much more rapidly in response to positive stimuli than negative. I, I personally think that's not only true of, of, of animals and, and of lab mice and stuff, but I think it's true of people, too. You stop and think about talking to people and and even if you happen to supervise people, how's the best way to get people to do those things that you need for them to do? It's to cope those things that you need to do with kindness, right? It's, it's being careful how you, you give uh, you, you, those, those commands to do or those ask people to do things, asking people to do things with kindness. I, I think that's true. We, there is learning that takes place from criticism. That's true. But I wonder if we learn best when being criticized. I think we learn better when we're motivated and when we're encouraged and when we're spoken to with kind words. Uh, I think that makes a bigger impression and it makes a lasting impression whenever people do take the time to use those words uh, that build up and, and they're kind rather than using words uh, that, that criticize and tear down. I just think that makes sense. So in thinking about the rules of speech, you might think, well, what, you know, and maybe you don't even think about it, but let's just think about for a few minutes, what, what kind of word should we be using? Well, in, in Proverbs chapter 12, verses 17 and 19, we find these words. He who speaks truth declares righteousness. The truthful lips shall be established forever. So, Obviously, one of the first things we should consider in the words that we use are to use truthful words, words of truth. That's going to be first and foremost in the type of words we choose to use. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 20, we're told that we should look to use peaceful words. Uh, in, in chapter 12, verse 20, it says, Counselors of peace have joy. Counselors of peace have joy. Um, 
I, you know, when you stop and think again about the great teacher Jesus, and you think about the words he brought into this world, he brought he brought comfort and peace to people, peace of mind, and and we should think about uh, words that bring peace rather than words that bring strife or bring our criticism or bring hurt to people's lives. And in Proverbs chapter twelve, verse twenty-two, we learn lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. So last week we were talking about ungodly words. Today we're talking about using godly words, thinking about the kind of words that Jesus would have us to use, the kind of words that Jesus used in his ministry, and getting his message across to people. And obviously, of course, we want to use good, encouraging words. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 <clears throat> Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You stop and think about people who are struggling with anxiety in their life or who are struggling with problems in their life. Uh, the type of words we choose to use with these people could either uh, cause them more problems and maybe perhaps even give them uh, bouts and episodes of depression but if we use the right words, we can take anxiety away and we can help build that person up and give them something good and worthwhile to live for. So we should use good, encouraging words when we talk to people. We should use wholesome words. <clears throat> a wholesome tongue, we find in chapter 15, verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. I, you know, Whenever you read anything that Jesus said in your New Testaments, if your New Testaments are lettered in red, what Jesus said, you will find hardly anything but wholesome words that Jesus uses. The words that he chose to use are the kind of words that are going to make us better people. They're going to be the kind of words that will help us to live better lives and have less anxiety and less problems with depression in life. But they're going to be good words. I don't know if you've thought too much about it, but sometimes we, we need to think about the timeliness of our words. Um, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and the word spoken in due season, how good it is. I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes do you ever search or try to think about the right words to say to people in certain situations? I just sometimes I wish I could uh, I could know exactly what would be helpful in a situation like this. When people are dealing with grief, uh, with very difficult times in their life, when they're struggling with things, sometimes it's hard for me to think what would be what would be the right thing to say to this person right now at this time when they're hurting, perhaps because of the loss of a loved one or because of the sickness of someone's. A, a pleasant word. We should seek to use pleasant words. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I, in, in the building where I work down in Houston, we have 12 floors, and I run into people all the time. And, and, and you know, it's just a matter of courtesy. You often say, well, how are you doing today? How's everything going? I love to think about the different answers I hear of people. Sometimes people say, amazing. 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder how that would feel. You know, how would it feel? I think sometimes I'm just a little short of amazing, right? But I hear people say, wonderful. I think that's great. You know, people, when you ask them, those are pleasant words. They're feeling well. They're feeling blessed. They're feeling uh, thankful. Uh, they're feeling amazing. They're feeling wonderful. Those are, those are good words to hear uh, when you're talking about someone. You don't really want to hear uh, sometimes when people are not feeling well, just how you're doing, you're not really listening, wanting to hear a 20-minute uh, discussion on all their aches and their pains and all the bad things in their life. That's not going to really help you that much. And honestly, it probably doesn't help that person either. So to, to think about how do you how do you answer questions like that? Well, answering questions like that with pleasant words are helpful for everybody. It's helpful for you. And it's going to be helpful for that person who's asked that question. We should use gracious and pure words from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 11. He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. So gracious, pure words, pleasant words, and we should use refreshing words from Proverbs chapter 25, verse 13. Let the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for the, he refreshes uh, the soul of his masters. He refreshes the soul of his master. Refreshing words. Um, I don't know. I, I I I'm not even sure that I I don't have a very good vocabulary of refreshing words. What kind of words could we use that would be refreshing to people? Give me an example of some refreshing words. Anyone have any? <laughs> Maybe you struggle with that too, right? <laughs> we all struggle with refreshing words, words that are going to... I, I think of refreshing words or thinking about words that build up, words that, words that encourage. Those are refreshing words rather than using words that, that tear down or words that bring, uh, bring people down, make people feel worse. We want to we use words and think about words that actually are going to make someone's day better. Think about that. How, what can I say to this person, or how can I answer this question, or how can I answer this comment that is actually going to make this person's day a little bit better? Uh, I've had this experience. I'm sure that you probably have too. Have you noticed sometimes checking out at, at a store, whether it's Walmart or the drugstore or wherever you might be, that you, you're coming up to a, choke, a checker who just appears to be having a bad day? You ever, you ever had a phone like that? I mean, you can just tell from uh, the expression on their face that they're struggling. Maybe they're tired. Maybe they've been there a long time. Maybe they've passed the time for the break. Or, or maybe someone has said something unpleasant to them. And if you would just take the time to smile at that person and say something like, wow, you're, it, you know, how's your day going today? Well, isn't it a beautiful day outside? Or aren't you aren't you blessed to have a good job to work and where you're out of the cold? Or, or just to spend some time to think of some pleasant, gracious, refreshing word and how you can turn that, that frown upside down on that person. The next thing you know, they will be smiling at you and they will be thanking you and they'll be like treating you like a whole different person. It works if you haven't tried that. You, you should try that sometimes. 
another thing we should think about in our rules of speech is that we should, when we're thinking about offering correction, when you know, there are times when we're going to have to use our words to rebuke. Okay, Timothy tells us that. Uh, use, you know, use our sound speech sometimes to rebuke the person if that's what's needed or correct the person in their life. But at the same time, we should think about our rebuke should be with the desire to win souls and not to win arguments. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 12 says, Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuke to an obedient ear. It's, it's not easy sometimes to be corrected or, or to be rebuked. And sometimes it hurts and it stings, but at the same time, we should still be careful in the words that we use to correct someone like that. Wise rebuke usually does not take the form of you were wrong or you are wrong. It's like it's often the indirect approach that is far better. Think about an example we find of this in the book of 2 Samuel. Turn over, if you will, to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. 2 Samuel chapter 12. You will, you will recall uh, this was at a time when David was king. I can't even find something. Okay. Uh, David was king. Uh, right after he had met uh, Bathsheba, or saw Bathsheba, and took Bathsheba as his wife. And so the, the prophet Samuel is coming to him. 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, beginning with verse... Uh, well, we'll just start with the verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan uh, to David. I, I said Samuel, but as Nathan came to David, and he came to him and said to him, there, was, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought, uh, had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. And it ate of his own food and drank from his own cup, and it lay at his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock, from his own herd, to prepare uh, for the, the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who had done this shall surely die, and he shall restore, uh, restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing because he had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. And David was, of course, who took Bathsheba and had Uriah killed so that he could have his wife. So, you know, there again, it, we have to be careful about how we're being. Sometimes Nathan took the indirect approach to teach a very valuable lesson. He, he talked about that parable. Jesus did that very same thing. He used parables so many times in his teaching. 
sometimes we need to think about the fact that it's more important to win a brother than it is to win an argument. It's more important to win a brother, to bring a brother back, than it is to win an argument. So we need to spend some time thinking about how, how our words are going to be received. How, how, how are people going to understand or how they're going to take what I've got to say? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 32 says, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Even when criticism is warranted, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, the golden text of the Bible will read, and it applies here, we do unto others as what? As we would have them do unto us. That's very important. If, we, if we're trying to correct someone, if we are trying to uh, offer some type of rebuke, we need to think about how that's going to come across. We may, uh, we, we may well be right in what we say, yet the way we say things may cause resentment, demoralization, and still not correct the situation that has been condemned. We should think about that. Another thing we should think about is this question. What benefit will these words provide? What benefits will this correction provide? The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21. You know, people have a way of justifying themselves. In verse 12, Chapter 12, verse 15, we read, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And chapter 21, verse 2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. The, heart, the Lord weighs the hearts. Al Capone himself once said, he says, I have spent the best years of my life giving people the lighter pleasures, helping them have a good time, and all I get is abused, the existence of a hunted man, he was, of course, a criminal, okay? But he rationalized his own behavior just because he thought he was doing good. And he says, now, I don't understand why people are hunting me. Why are they treating me this way? So what benefit are the words going to provide? The third and final rule of speech we should think about is that to remember there is an appropriate time for everything. There is a, there is a time for all seasons. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23 says, A man has joy by the answers of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Chapter 25, verse 11 of Proverbs, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. So we should remember and strive to not only use the right words the right way, but use those and say those at the right time where they're going to do the most good, where they'll benefit doing the very most. So that's the lesson for tonight. Thank you for being here. And next week we'll take a look at another lesson we learned from the book of Proverbs.